As I think back to past Christmases, um, ever since I was a kid, I still do this. I'm still a kid at heart. I look at the gifts under the tree and I try to figure out what they are. And I don't know if any of you um, ever did that or still do that. You can raise your hand if you want to admit that you shook the box. <laughs> no, maybe. Were any of you any good at guessing? You figured it out? Grandma gives me a sweater and a, a, or socks. Or, no, I'm just kidding. I won't make fun of my grandma. She's wonderful. She gave great gifts. They, that's right. Yeah, I just need to appreciate <laughs> gifts more, don't I? <laughs> Be thankful. Yes. Yes. Well, I'll be honest. Most of my guesses are shot in the dark, and uh, I'm not even close. Um, but you know what? Sometimes I think that's what people do with the gift of God. People come with their guesses and their ideas. I want to maybe shake the box a little bit. Try and figure this stuff out on our own. But if we want to find out what God has given us, we're going to need to open up His Word. You see, the mystery of the Gospel is a revealed mystery. And that is a wonderful thing God has told us about the gift of God in Jesus Christ. And so my hope this Christmas is that with God's help, I can just help you to begin to see something of the wonder and the beauty and the essentialness of God's gift. And that we're going to to open up God's Word so that we as a fellowship might worship God in spirit and in truth. Not, not wondering, not unsure, but confident of what God has given us in Jesus Christ. And that we would be amazed and so thankful for the gift of God. The gift of God proclaimed in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. We are memorizing together Isaiah 9, verse 6. It is on the screen, but I'd invite you to turn in your Bibles there uh, as we will also look at the following verse. The gift of a son to rule on the throne of David. A son, a child who will rule and bring peace. This is good news. Let's read Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
and of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. When Isaiah spoke the words of this prophecy, the armies of Syria and Assyria were on the borders of Israel. They came in from the north. Darkness seemed to be winning, but God promised in verse 4 of Isaiah chapter 9 to rescue his people from the oppressor. And he talks about a victory as great as the victory of Gideon who defeated the thousands of Midianites with only 300. That victory was won by God. And God made it abundantly plain that it was by His might that they had defeated those enemies. And so this victory would be won by God as well. But this time, victory would come in an even more unexpected form. And so our text begins, for a child is born to us. That is to the people of God. To those who are called by His name. To us. The child is born. And more specifically, we are told to us a son is given. Here is the gift of God. A son is given. And it is a gift. It wasn't because the people of Israel at that time really deserved it. That God gave them this promise. And it isn't because you and I are especially worthy that God says this promise is for you if you believe in my son. But it is a gift of God. The gift of a son. Not merely any son, but the son of God whom God had promised would rule his people and bring peace. The writer of the letter to the Hebrews saw how significant this son was when he wrote at the beginning of the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 2. But now in these last days, after all the prophets and the many ways that God had spoken to his people, but now in these last days, he has spoken to us by his, that is God's son. This son, God's son, is the final word. Is the, the true and lasting hope of all of the people of God. The only hope for the world. A son greater than the angels, greater than Moses, the eternal son of God.
Now I want you to understand something from the text in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. When Isaiah speaks, he speaks using the perfect tense as though this had already happened. So you could rightly translate the verse, a child has been born, a son has been given. From Isaiah's standpoint, this was yet to take place. This was in the future. But from the divine perspective, this event was certain. And so it is proclaimed in that way. It is proclaimed not as a, as a maybe, but as a definite historical event that will happen. The gift of God would come at a specific time in a specific place. Think about how marvelous that is. We cannot say the future, it has happened. For we have no power over tomorrow. You try saying that and you will make a fool of yourself if you live that way. But God, who is infinite in power and wisdom, can say a child has been born. And we can trust that word. And again and again, he has proven himself faithful and true to his word. He had proven it to the people at that time such that they could know they could count on this. Some of them did. Others did not believe. Our God can decree whatever he wills, and it will be. And this is what he does here through the prophet Isaiah. And what a wonderful declaration this is, that the Son will be given for us. The same Son who is called Emmanuel, God with us in Isaiah chapter 7, we are now told, is given for us. The gift of a child is the coming of the Lord God. The Lord God who is with and for His people. that humble child Isaiah continues and he says and the government shall be upon his shoulder all of the rights and responsibilities of ruling the nations will rest on this child that is what the Lord says. And remember, he has spoken it as if it had already happened. This would be a child who's, who would not merely be born, but would be born to rule. He will rule, verse 7 tells us, on the throne of David, with a rule that brings peace, a rule that grows and grows and never ends from this time forth and forevermore. 
when Isaiah declares this, he is restating what God had promised to David. For God had promised to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, 2 Samuel 7 verse 16 says, And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. The fulfillment of this promise was yet to come in Isaiah's day. But he proclaims it again. That we would know that God meant what he said. That he will indeed do that. This is spoken again at a time when there was not peace for the people of God. But God's promise still stands. It was as good as done. And one day, an angel came to a virgin named Mary. And this is what the angel said in Luke chapter 1, verses 31 to 33. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. You see, when the Lord said at the end of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7, that the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this, he was not joking. He did as he said. If you compare the wording of Luke chapter 1, 31 to 33, to those prophecies like the one found in 2 Samuel 7, and Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. We are meant to see that this word is being fulfilled. This is the Son. And in Luke's Gospel, the angel makes it abundantly clear that this Son is the Son of the Most High. The child was born, and his name is Jesus. The angel's message and the testimony of the scriptures is that Jesus, miraculously born of the Virgin Mary, is the promised Son, the Son of God, the Most High, and the Son of David, the true King of Israel. Listen to what God declares of the Son through the psalmist in Psalm 2, verse 8. I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession. There it is again. The great inheritance that God will give to His beloved Son. The one who is one with the Father. This psalm 
teaches us the extent of the child's rule, covers every nation and every place. No one and nothing will remain outside of the Son's rule. The reign of the Son will be absolute. He will have the right to break the nations with a rod of iron. Psalm 2, verse 9. The book of Revelation promises that He will indeed come and do that when He returns. But Isaiah, if we would turn back to chapter 9, verse 7, doesn't just say the government will be on your shoulders and you're going to have a great kingdom and it's going to be eternal. It says something wonderful about the nature of the child's rule. You see, the child will not only have the, the rights of a king, but he will rule responsibly. He will rule rightly. His reign, verse 7 says, will be established and it will be upheld with what? With the sword? With violence? No. With justice and righteousness. Now this does not mean that the Son will not come with judgment. But it means first and foremost that this will not be the rule of a tyrant, but of a king who does what is right. That is good news. The Lord Jesus Christ will be the most righteous, the most fair ruler that we could ever hope for. He is our king if we proclaim him as Lord and Savior. This is such good news. The, the psalmist in Psalm 2 verse 12 says, Blessed are those who take refuge in him. If you want to know who is blessed, it is those who live under the Son's rule. Who take their cue from Him. Who follow His orders. These are the people who are safe. And who are blessed. In a world that is far from safe. It is far from perfect. We still wait. For the King's coming. To make all things new. But that promise remains for you and I. Blessed are those who take refuge in Him. It is those who run towards the gift, who embrace the Son, that will enjoy the blessing of His kingdom. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 45, verses 6 and 7, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your kingdom is a scepter of uprightness. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness.
This is the testimony of God about His Son. That His Son, who is God, not only reigns forever, but upholds what is good and does what is right. Is that how you think of your king? Sometimes we feel that things are unjust. We recognize that things are not right in this world. And we question or we wonder. That is why I bring to our remembrance these truths about the righteousness and the goodness of our king. Because we will need to see that at different times. We will need to remember that when what we face is injustice, when what we face is not peace. God remains God of peace. Jesus Christ remains the Lord of peace. And the hosts of heaven cry out, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. Revelation 11.15 It is done. Does it look like it all the time here? No. But just as the Lord said, a child has been born. And the Son came and was born of a virgin, born of Mary. At the right time, the fullness of time, Apostle Paul says in Galatians chapter 4, So, at the right time, He will come again. It is as good as done. The kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. So, the question, I suppose, then, is do you know Him? Do you know Jesus? Is that what you thought the gift would be? The gift of God. I'm often reminded of the testimony of the Apostle Paul when I think of this question. Here was a man who had many reasons to be proud of his heritage and his learning, his position among the scribes and his zeal for keeping the law. He was a man who knew the prophecies, who knew the promises of God. This is what he said when he encountered Jesus. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8. Can you say those words with integrity from the heart? Jesus Christ is worth giving my all. Here was a man who understood the incomparable value of the gift of God. Jesus Christ, the King of kings and Lord of lords. You know what? I cannot convince you of his worth by my eloquence or by my reasoning. 
not a great wordsmith. But Jesus is the most excellent, the most glorious, the most worthy of praise, and I will continue to proclaim that. And I call you as the people of God to proclaim that message, to be witnesses of this reality, of the the wonder and the beauty and the goodness of Jesus Christ. That He is both Lord and Savior. He is Creator and Redeemer. There's no one more precious than Him. Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. If you remember way back as we began our study of Mark's Gospel, Mark chapter 1, this is what Mark says at the beginning of the Gospel. He says, the beginning of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. That is what we proclaim. This is the one whom we know and whom we worship. You see, Jesus in all His splendor cannot be ignored. He can't be changed after our likeness. He's someone who must be reckoned with. He is King after all. Like a double-edged sword, He will be a terror to those who do evil and a blessing to all who do what is good. A great comfort for those who love Him as we were reminded in the service, a testimony of that God works all things for the good of those who who love Him and are called according to His purpose. This is true of those who know that Lord who works all things for the good of those who love Him. But what a great terror He is to those who still cling to their sin, who will not repent, turn from their wicked ways, to serve the living God. But the call remains. I've said this before. God is not patient for nothing. He is patient that more might come to repentance. Because he does not wish that any should perish, the Apostle Peter tells us. So we still proclaim. There is no other name by which we might be saved. Acts 4.12 Only the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse the guilty soul. And when you know His forgiveness, wow, is that an emboldening thing. There is nothing then that can separate us from God and from His love. As we have the free gift of God, eternal life, through faith in the Son given for us. Repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is the Gospel message. And the good news is that in repentance, and faith, there is welcome into the kingdom of God. This reign of peace, this reign of righteousness, and this hope that we look forward to 
as God works in this world today, He advances His kingdom. Wherever His people go, peace is brought. Whether people will accept it or no is, is a different matter. But peace and righteousness and hope is what we bring to a world that does not know their maker. I want to close with the words of an old hymn. It expresses far better than I could how wonderful the gift of God is. Fair is the sunshine, fairer still the moonlight, and all the twinkling starry hosts. Jesus shines brighter, Jesus shines purer than all the angels heaven can boast. Beautiful Savior, Lord of all nations, Son of God and Son of Man, glory and honor, praise, adoration, now and forevermore be thine. Amen. Let that be our song. Let be, that be our joy and our hope this Christmas. Jesus, the gift of God. Fair, pure, more wonderful than anyone else in all the world. Glory and honor, praise, adoration, now and forevermore, be thine. Amen.